keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to WrestleRoast. I am your host, Dan St. Germain. I am doing this without the snowball mic. Tell me how it sounds. I'm just doing it from my laptop speaker, seeing if it sounds any better than the sound equipment that I usually bring on this podcast. What a, what a hot way to start the show, Robert. Someone, for the love of God, please tell Dan how his voice sounds. This has been like three weeks in a row. He is shouting into a void. He just wants to hear he sounds Melter-esque. Just say it sounds like Dave, and we're going to be fine. Today, then we better talk about it as a roast. Uh, no, we have some other things to talk about. By the way, that was less a robot and more like an Aladdin background actor. Yeah, well, that's true, too. Um well, let's talk about our Patreon first off. We got a great Patreon. Five extra dollars a month. You get three extra episodes a month. This weekend, we're doing Halloween Havoc 1996. We're going to review that. I've already seen it. It is a show. October 24th, Pro Wrestlers vs. Zombies. October 31st, The Roast of the Undertaker. And Robert, guess what? I have our I have our Patreon topics for November and December. Oh, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm Robert. I appreciate the introduction, Dan. Love it. Uh, really feel welcome uh, warm here, but he's that, excited. That. He's excited to tell you all about but, what we've got for November. It's like it's at first it's the snowball, Mike, then this, then eventually getting to who his co-host is. But let's yeah. hear what we got lined up for November. I can't wait because right. this is how I find out. No November, one tells me in advance. Well, I sent it to you guys yesterday, but you never respond. November Patreon, the roast of Tony Khan. We're pulling the trigger. I'm sure we're going to do another one at some point, but I think that'll be a blast. Isn't right? every week's dynamite or dud a roast of Tony Khan? <laughs> well, this on a Patreon, we're going to go. We're going to go fucking uh, Ariel Hawani. No, 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 no gloves, baby. We're we're going for it. We're also doing Survivor Series 1995. That's when uh, Vince gave up on Diesel, and our deep dive is Juana Barraza who was a female luchador serial killer. We're just going to discuss her, discuss her life, discuss her crimes. It's kind of redundant to do a roast about it because nobody really knows who she is. Um, speaking of December Patreon, someone we have done a roast of, the crimes and life of Teddy Hart. Um, we're going to be going through all the Teddy Hart allegations, where he's at, all his embarrassing disasters. We're doing Mrs. Santa, Mrs. starring in Santa's Little Helper. I believe Paige or Soraya is in that as well. And December to 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 rain in the new year. Since we did Mick Foley for Christmas last year, I think it's it's only um, it's only acceptable that for the Jewish people we do Kanye West. No, we do Barry Horowitz. Uh, so we're doing Barry Horowitz. Uh, Longest bright side ever. Yeah, it uh, will be a really long bright. Like, I don't even know if I want to roast the guy. We may switch that up, but we'll see. Um, on the main show, October 21st, which is in two weeks, we're doing the roast of Dracula. 
Um, actually, sorry, that's next week. I wanted to do that. So uh, the Undertaker roast is a week after we each have a week to write the roast. So October 21st, next week, the roast of Dracula. October 28th, uh, we're back to previewing Crown Jewel and all the great wrestling events we have coming up in November. Full From of blood years. sucker to blood money. <laughs> that's pretty good but hey in addition to talking about modern wrestling we're going to roast the von erics and as always is the case we start with the bright side of the von erics what we love about them they are indeed for better or worse the first family of professional wrestling would you agree with that robert they're one of the first families of professional wrestling um i mean there's obviously first family mortgage which is the true first family <laughs> of professional wrestling. But uh, I, I think, yeah. Robert's he, thing is he wants Conrad to personally fire him. No, nah, I'm good. He, I don't think he has the ability to fire us. We don't technically work for him. No, um, just, they can just kick us off the network, I guess. Well, that, that'll, that'll break the hearts of literally tens of people who'll have to find us <laughs> elsewhere on Spotify, Apple, Google or wherever Zach forgets to upload us next week. Um, we love you, Zach. We love you at all things comedy and wherever else this thing winds up getting posted. AOL keyword wrestle roasts. But uh, yeah, no, these guys, I mean, you, you talk about wrestling families, multi-generational uh, you, you have the funks, but the, the, the funks lineage didn't expand out as big as this. You have the hearts, but the hearts sort of a lot of them came somewhat after this, but yeah, the Von Eriks were, a true phenomenon and and i think in terms of of wrestling families uh this is this is one of the first that comes to mind for anybody as some weird thing dings on my computer uh, that's uh, that's the fbi you can't go on those sites anymore robert well that's how i was trying to upload the uh the podcast to the dark web yeah well, i was to... talking about uh, your incessant uh perusing of child porn Thanks. You're welcome. Right side of Von Erich. I would say the greatest thing to come from the Nazis since Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> wow. Wasn't it like Schwarzenegger's dad or grandpa Nazi or something? Yeah, he, I think he was part of like the Hitler youth or something, but like all kids were from that era. I don't, it's <laughs> it, as far as like Nazi gimmicks go in wrestling, this was one of them. And then it's just weird that they just <laughs> kept the name. Like it wasn't like Baron von Raschke's kids were like lining up to to do or goose stepping in line to do this, but uh, they they it's like they forgot that no, they he changed. Loves his kids. But it's like they forgot <laughs> that they changed their name to von Eric to be this Nazi gimmick, and then the kids just kept the name, and they were just beloved baby faces. But they were all really talented. Uh, they they connected okay, with yeah. the audience, and it was that it's that kind of baby face talent where. The, the crowd lived and died by everything the Von Erichs did. Right. And, and it to, was like... To give you an idea, Bam Bam Bigelow, I watched one of his shoot interviews this week, and he thought that it was basically Muda and Kerry Von Erich who were the best wrestlers at the time in, in that 80s, that mid-80s period, which I don't know if I agree with, but it's interesting when you have a worker who's as good as Bam Bam say that. It's it's because it's the, it's the rare thing of a guy that you genuinely care about and live and die by what he's doing but it was all of them. It's it's take your Brian Danielson, 
during that yes movement run where you felt like this was organic and you lived and died by what he did or even to some degree now what's going on with Sami Zayn and the audience just gravitating to everything Sami Zayn does like He's these like fucking nuclear over right now huh Sami Zayn's insanely over but that He's was the most over wrestler since Daniel Bryan uh he's he's up there uh, it's it's tough because he is still a heel and i'm curious what his babyface legs will be after a while but it's it's pretty strong right now i, I think he's got a lot of goodwill to him but for the for the von erics you know i worked with uh kevin a little bit in wwe we brought him in we, i worked with him with michael ps hayes and just listening to those guys talk about how insanely over and hot everything they were doing in world class was and it wasn't i it wasn't a sense of irony it was just pure these guys were white meat baby faces and the audience the men loved them women loved them kids loved them this is what any promoter would live or die to have and it's unfortunate that most people's exposure to the von erics was just carry in wwf where he already had most of his foot amputated and he was still entertaining and still captivating even though he was going through all these demons that he was he was faced with but to go back with the net with the wwe network or peacock uh dan's favorite streaming service uh, and all of our favorite streaming service here at wrestle uh and you can go watch the world-class footage stone cold law the show i've developed with stone cold steve austin and dan soder is still alive folks so just prayers up Kind of like, just like Kevin Von Erich, somehow this thing is holding on. Um, but, uh, I mean, they, to, to go back and watch those Von Erich matches and watch, you know, Carrie and Flair was great. Uh, th- there's varying degrees of quality with some of their matches, but it doesn't matter because the audience is just rabid for these guys in anything. It's like Rock and Roll Express to have seen them during their, their heyday was to understand the allure of the rock and roll express. And that was sort of the, the thing with all the Von Eriks and considering that Fritz was very much not a, a beloved baby face or, a, or a handsome man or a well-liked man, all of his kids came out as like prototypical. This is what you want in a baby face. And they were exceptional. Yeah. I mean, Black Bart, when he met uh, Von Eric, he thought he was the janitor. <laughs> it, it's, it's a it, no it's it, it's an interesting i mean here's my question as a guy who's booked wrestling before robert would you prefer what is more okay two questions i mean no what's more rare because obviously you'd prefer an mjf or the rock over the von erics but what's more rare like the rock and mjf that charisma being able to make anything work or having a natural group you just naturally cheer for no matter what Oh, this this any day of the week, twice on Sunday over the Rock or an MJF, because as fantastic as the Rock is, as fantastic as MJF are, there's a charisma to them that makes you want to watch whatever they're going to say. The Von Eriks are superheroes that you believe in and you will pay your hard-earned money to see them succeed no matter the odds. They are what pro wrestling was. They, they were what you had with Hulkamania. Uh, they were what you had with uh, Austin to a degree. It's And it was completely organic, and it was a whole group of them. And it didn't matter who it was as long as they were named Von Erich, as long as they were a real Von Erich, and it wasn't one of the fake ones they threw in there later on. 
that you paid your hard-earned money to go see them. People like MJF, people like The Rock, they're not necessarily paying money to watch those guys, but those are people who bring in mainstream fans. I will say they're paying money to watch them, but they're not paying money to necessarily root for them. You're waiting to see like what, you don't really care if MJF wins or loses. You want to see what happens. Right. Opposing the Von Erichs, you're like, oh, they're my guys. They got to win. I got to pay money to see them challenge for the, you know, West Texas uh, middleweight title. And I'm going to, you know, my entire week is going to be predicated on whether or not they win or lose. Like, it feels like real sports with those guys. You're rooting yeah. for the Von Erichs the way you're rooting for a professional sports team. And that's, that's where you make money. And that's where WWE for the last decade, especially since Cena's been part-time, has struggled in finding a unified singular babyface. Like an MJF rock type. I mean, you, you were just more interested to see the Cena stories than you were... For actually, Punk had a little bit of it, but only for his coming up, not really for his character. Uh, just to give you an idea how, how over these guys were, the funeral of David at the time was the most watched wrestling event in history. Kayfabe accomplishments, they're all in the WWE Hall of Fame. Fritz von, Zer Fritz von Erich is a Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer, a two-time Stampede Wrestling Tag Team Champion, a 13-time NWA Heavyweight Champion, seven-time NWA Tag Champion, an AWA Heavyweight Champion. Uh, Kevin Von Erich was the NWA American Heavyweight Champion and a bunch of other titles. He was number 23 on the PWI 1991. He apparently was the biggest standout. Kerry Von Erich the, was the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. He took it off Flair, which we'll talk about. In WWE, he was an Intercontinental Champion. In both the Pro Wrestling Illustrated and the Wrestling Observer, he was Match of the Year. And there's just a ton of other Hall of Fames they're a part of uh, that you haven't heard of. Um, tr truly miraculous. Had a, a completely tragic history. You know, a lot of the wrestlers, like... Like when they have, we, we say demons and it's, I don't want to say like some people, some people earn a drinking problem more than others. And I think that the Von Erichs really earned it. Like, I, I don't think it was like one of these things of, oh, this guy's just fucking up again, you know, like Velveteen Dream or something. These guys seemed like there was a snake wrapped around their family tree from the get go. So fuck us for doing this because they've been through a lot. Yeah, no, and what sucks is like Kevin, who has every reason in the world to be a bitter, angry piece of shit, could not have been a nicer, warmer person to work oh, with. Oh, yeah, and the fun part was it was a show that I got to produce. It was a, a, like a retrospective on world class. No, no ego at all? Not only was there no ego, like he asked permission. Is, is it okay if I take my shoes off? Like, even though you can't see it, he's like, I just feel more comfortable without my shoes. Like, but he asked permission, and I'm kind of like, dude, it's your shit, like whatever the fuck you want to do. Right. And just very humble, lives the life out in Hawaii. His his sons oh, are wrestling, um, got, has really a very- excited. I really hope that those two guys take off. He has a very Zen outlook on things. And, but yeah, for him to be like, yeah, I want my kids to get involved in in wrestling. And Carrie's daughter, Lacey had a, a cup of coffee with wrestling. Like they, they still love the sport. They appreciate what wrestling gave to their family and their legacy. Uh, whereas other people may turn, you know, bitter and Brett Hardy about things. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to see the best, I, I think the Von Erichs is still the best dark side of the ring. And you and you get this this sense that Carrie has really found peace. Kevin, sorry, has Kevin, really. Yeah. Found peace. But uh, let's roast the motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, this is. I will apologize. This went dark. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe, That's the problem. You can't really, you cannot really roast them without doing some heavy jokes. But, you know, I will say this, like none of the jokes that I've wrote are really their fault. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but they're, but again, it just, I think we have a lot of respect for them and what they, what they do yeah. and hold in wrestling, as opposed to some of the people we roast who we just absolutely fucking hate. Um, and then Dracula. All right, so I don't want to make this too Halloween-ish, but seconds before we were about to start the roast, both of our connections evaporated and the entire Zoom system shut down. So uh, clearly Fritz is pissed. <laughs> Can you, you're, you're, you're breaking up so little, so let's try to get these roast jokes out before we're dragged to hell. Uh, oh, am I? Okay. Well, I sound clear. Uh, all right, you want me to... All right, you want me to start? Uh, sure. All right. The Von Erics are what would happen if the Kennedys assassinated each other. <laughs> Stu Hart taught Fritz everything he knew. He also trained him as a wrestler. He's from Jewett, Texas, or how JR describes MJF in Dallas. <laughs> uh, the Von Erics are like the Hanson brothers, but replace Um Bop with Flash Pop. Fritz got the world title in 1966. Texas wouldn't be this excited about a Nazi since Greg Abbott won in 2015. Well done. Kevin Von Erich looks like he's been through a lot, man. He looks like what would happen if the Undertaker's knees became a guy. <laughs> Carrie, Carrie lost a foot and still wrestle, wrestled. What's your excuse, Kamala? The Von Erich curse. Why do tragic things keep happening to three brothers with the same history of alcoholism, child abuse, and mental illness? Must be the work of a wizard. <laughs> you know your family's been through shit when the ones you're proud of are in MLW. Ooh. Kevin Von, Kevin Von Erich was described as the golden warrior, which is also how victim advocates describe the women who survived R. Kelly. Before his match with Rick, Management had to get a passed out Kerry Von Erich in his car or dressing room if you're signed to Impact. <laughs> Zach Efron's is in talks to play Kevin Von Erich. Working title is Didn't Graduate High School Musical. <laughs> <laughs> the claw was devastating, but enough about Moolah's pussy. Oh. They, they called Kerry the Texas Tornado because they couldn't trademark the pilled up panhandle. Kerry told Brett he planned on killing himself months before. When Brett heard this, he immediately ran out, grabbed the nearest phone, and asked Meltzer why he only gave three stars to his Repo Man match. <laughs> All right, well, that, that, that's me, Robert. What do you got? Uh, the Von Erics are for Nazi lovers who thought the Von Traps were too gay because they sang instead of play fought in their underwear. <laughs> the Von Erichs are the most popular Nazis in Texas who have not held elected office. Kerry Von Erich wrestled as the Texas Tornado. Texas Tornado was also the nickname for Bruce Pritchard's nostrils whenever cocaine was around. <laughs> Zach Efron is starring in a movie about the Von Erichs. It's great for anyone who watched his Ted Bundy movie and hoped for a higher body count. <laughs> 
Rabbi Alvin Fine writes, birth is the beginning and death a destination. That's true unless you're the Von Erics, where every death is a final destination. <laughs> Our spookiest episode yet. If you thought the Von Erics are cursed because their compound is built on a Native American burial ground, you'd be wrong because it turned out most of those bodies were just Italian guys in headdresses. <laughs> A lot of the Von Erichs passed away before their time, but Marshall and Ross Von Erich suffered a far worse fate, wrestling for MLW. That's your <laughs> Robert. Yes, that's your Robert bites the hand that feeds him joke of the week. Brought to you by SaveWithConrad.com. SaveWithConrad.com. Because like the Von Erichs, you might not live to see the end of your 30-year mortgage. <laughs> Despite By the way, how, uh, bite the hand that feeds you. Like, did, did MLW pay for lunch? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> despite how he talks, Kevin Von Erich was not the one who was electrocuted as a kid. Kevin Von Erich, Kevin Von Erich sounds like the backwards talking little person from Twin Peaks. Rob <laughs> Log, where's Carrie? <laughs> David Von Erich passed away in 1984. Because he died in Tokyo, Meltzer gave his death five stars. <laughs> Kerry Von Erich lost part of his foot. I didn't even know there was sugar in cocaine. <laughs> the Von Erichs had a legendary feud with the fabulous Freebirds, a precursor for the Nazis versus Confederate racist fights we'll see in the 2024 Republican primary. <laughs> Bret Hart claims in his book that Kerry told him in advance he was going to kill himself. Realizing that Bret wasn't going to get a great match out of Kerry, he didn't stop him. In hindsight, though, Bret did wish he said something, mainly because he hated anyone stealing his gimmick as the excellence of execution. Oh, my God. Chris Von Erich would, uh, was known for being very short having extremely brittle bones and was prone to asthma, which would have made him the toughest member of the Undisputed Era. And <laughs> finally, the Von Erichs are in the WWE Hall of Fame, a deserving spot for charismatic performers who could, deliver, who could deliver in the ring, connected with fans, and in some cases were legitimate shooters. Oh, my God. Robert Carbless, that was our rest of Von Erichs. Uh, we love the Von Erichs. We don't really love Brett, but we do love the Von Erichs. So. We love Brett. Brett was uh, he, he was part of the show last year for the Christmas episode. That is that is true. You are breaking up a little bit, Robert. So apologize apologies to anybody if they're if they're hearing a little bit of skipping on either me or Robert's part. Because we love the Von Erichs so much, we didn't do show in hell this week. We did Ain't That Swell, and I made the guys watch Ric Flair winning the title. I mean, sorry, Kerry uh, Von Erich winning the title from Ric Flair. Uh, this is this is kind of a blast to see because people are booing Flair, which, you you know, like, you, you know, there's always, like, every time he wrestled, there's always a half booze, half cheers. This is all booze. Uh, it's a it's a really electric match. The match is okay, but the 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 feeling is electric. It, it feels like you're watching like this beautiful memory, and you know it ends with Kerry getting a roll up win. I, I think this was probably political, so they could get the title back on Flair um, pretty quickly. But yeah, I mean it's 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 a blast watching this man. I mean, 
I will say it's like there is nothing like this anymore in wrestling. There's nothing like this audience reaction. It's real. It's a sports reaction. You know, the difference is with wrestling reactions, AEW, people who are super over in WWE, there's a pop. They pop at the right points. Uh, With sports reactions, it's just like a continued joyous noise. And that's what this match was, man. It, It just felt like you were really honoring someone who passed. It, it felt like it needed to happen. It, it felt like, you know, that as far as like, as far as big moments, it almost felt like the Texas version of Ollie and Foreman, you know, uh, as the rumble in the jungle. But I guess this would be dust up in the dust bowl. I'm not sure. Uh, Robert, what did you think of this match? Yeah, I mean, this was political for a lot of reasons. This was shortly after David had passed away, so they were doing it in his memory. Flair won the title back like 20 days later in Japan, but this was designed to be a feel-good moment, and it was a feel-good moment. And it goes back to what we talked about before of would I rather have a Von Eric or would I rather have The Rock? Or Ric Flair. Or or if the crowd was was going to cheer and boo who they needed to cheer and boo because they genuinely wanted to see Kerry win the title. They wanted to see this moment happen. They wanted to boo Flair. They wanted to take that emotional ride. And you watch wrestling for the emotional ride, and it becomes idiot-proof. Is it straightforward, simple booking that the guy who's wrestling for his brother is going to win the title? Yes. Does it matter that it's straightforward? No. It's it's you no, gave the crowd what they wanted. Sports. Yes, you know, Brett Favre's dad dying and then having that incredible Monday night football game and us not looking into his finances, that huge piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no kidding. Man, I mean, like if we were if we were a sports podcast, you don't really get any lower than Brett Favre after this week. Yeah, Favre, Favre had a uh, it's been like coming to him for a long time now as seeming like a guy who was probably a piece of shit. And and inevitably it winds up happening. I think these this stuff all winds up coming out uh, eventually about a lot of these uh, these athletes. But people watch sports for this kind of moment, and it's why I always argue with someone who said, "Well, wrestling is fake." It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a manufactured moment that feels just as genuine as a real moment. But you are designed to get this, uh, you know, elicit this reaction. You know. It, there's nothing better than watching your sports team win. There's nothing more miserable than watching your sports team lose. And in wrestling, sometimes it becomes passive and you're just watching a show mm-hmm. or in dynamite's case, a very passive feeling while watching a show. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but this was an emotional cathartic release for this audience who they had been grieving over the loss of David. They felt for the family. They, they took this journey with him and it was a it felt like a real legitimate moment as opposed to the feel good story at the end of a movie. Well, let's move on to current wrestling and our premium current events section. I wanted to ask this, Robert. Um, John Moxley just signed to a five year contract in AEW. Now, we could get into the booking from the GCW show this past week. I mean, it was horrendous if you didn't. You didn't hear about it. I didn't see it. I just read it and was honestly gobsmacked. Um, would you have signed Moxley to a five-year deal? Would you make him the cornerstone of your programming? I think hiring Renee is the best hire they've had since Brian Danielson. Um, but I, I, you know, Moxley, it's crazy because most of his promos are great. Most of his matches are really good. 
but he just doesn't get people excited in the same way and I don't, I don't know what that is uh it, and that's just for me it's very subjective and I and I you know like if you could tell me like hey what's wrong with Moxley I don't really have any answer you know I mean I like it better when he's a little bit more bulked up um aesthetically but you know like you know I think he's you know he's big enough to be a wrestler he's got great promos he's, he's had some amazing matches but there's just that I don't know man it's just you know like Hangman Page is by far a worse promo than John Moxley. But when Hangman Page gets in the ring, I'm like, oh, I get it. I want to see this guy wrestle. He's got a little bit more of star quality, even if Tony routinely botches that. Um, I don't know if I would have, man. I think I would have done a two-year contract. I mean, I would have, you know, I don't know how long Jericho's signed. I mean, right now, right now, like numbers, numbers wise, you know, last night's or a week ago's Dynamite, uh, the MJF Wheeler Utah segment did really well. MJF always does ratings. Then they kind of, you know, they did pretty well through the Moxley segment and the Brit stuff. But then the big drop was the Jericho stuff at the end with Brian Danielson. I mean, that just dropped through the through the uh, through the floor. So I don't know. Would you assign him, Robert? Is he a guy you would put in five year contract in? I think if you're AEW, you have to. Uh, there's, he, he has a feeling now that some guys felt when they went to TNA who were talent, like when Christian went to TNA, when Kurt Angle went to TNA, it, it felt like really good performers, but you weren't getting the best of them, or there's a reason that they were where they were and were not still in WWE. Moxley left because he wanted all this creative freedom. He wanted this ability to wrestle his kind of matches. And, and he's yet, done way better here than WWE for sure. He has because in WWE they didn't really give him a chance to go out and and have a lot of great one-on-one matches. When he was in the Shield, some of those six mans with the Wyatts were absolutely fantastic. But the number of amazing, you know, Dean Ambrose matches you watched is is somewhat limited. He was just sort of he was good. He was very competent in the ring, uh, but it wasn't like he was the blow away five star guy you had to see. There was something about his character that felt different and edgy compared to a lot of what WWE was putting out there in PG. He just felt looser. He felt more organic. There was something to it. Now we've seen that shtick for several years now. We've seen the full like, all right, in AEW, the the chains are off everybody. You can be who you want to be. And it can feel a little one note, not to mention his, his pushes have been so haphazard and forced. Like he's the champion now, not because Tony Khan believes he is the cornerstone of their company, but because they can't trust CM Punk to do anything. They can't trust him to talk. They can't trust him to wrestle. So he becomes the by default guy. And when you're the by default guy, after being the interim champion by default guy, it feels lesser than because he isn't, he is the placeholder. He is the ultimate placeholder. He's a guy who's going to make Warner discovery happy because he does have a WWE following. He's someone who can deliver a good promo uh, he's someone who loves wrestling and cares about making your brand better. You have to sign him because he is a locker room leader. He is in some ways, Mike's not here. I'm just confirming. Uh, he is what Tommy Dreamer was to ECW. He's a guy who lives and breathes 
the the industry and lives and breathes the company and is like please put this on my shoulders i don't think that's fair to moxley that's <laughs> not a that's not a that's not a, still a businessman like tommy dreamers paul Heyman is a multimillionaire and still owes tommy dreamer money yes you know? but <laughs> but i'm talking about guys who genuinely care about and love wrestling and want to put on the best show possible it's like if moxley's there he's going to demand the most of everybody else who's there and he's going to give his all sometimes giving his all plays to his detriment you don't have to bleed when you're in a match with you know Takeshka. like you can hold back a little bit he just doesn't want to he does genuinely love it and if he's a guy who went back to wwe i don't think he was going to be the top guy there and he knows that and he wants a chance to be the top guy so maybe now that he's he's clean and sober and he has renee there and they're saying look it's basically him danielson and jericho those are the guys who are going to run with the ball going forward in the immediacy that's a pretty strong triumvirate of wrestlers to use the to build the younger guys on and moxley has no ego about doing whatever it takes to to make the company better He'll I mean, lose. he seems like a fa- he seems like he's fantastic to work with. Like, I've never heard one. I mean, I've heard like a, a friend of mine didn't like hanging out with him once, but it was like I think it was just like an alpha male type thing. Um, but like, as far as like working with him in the business, I I haven't heard one bad thing. Have you? No, I I've heard the same thing. Socially, it can be a little dicey. Uh, which is weird because Renee is so nice. Like it's, I can't imagine what their dynamic is. I'm just picturing it's like I was never understood how like Eddie Van Halen is. That's something I said on a podcast. Uh, it's possible, but it, it feels like how Eddie Van Halen and Valerie Bertinelli were married, and I just never understood that dynamic. <laughs> That's sort of what this feels like. But no, I think I, you, yes, you signed Moxley to well, five they're, years. They're both kind of fake rock and roll. That is that is fair, but. By signing him for five years, you have a little bit of continuity. Randy Van Halen was very much real rock and roll. Yeah, well, he was. Now, not so much. Um, Rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. We're just just rock. Yeah, well, that's fucked up, but very, very true. Um, It shows shows continuity in that it's not just the EVPs who are theoretically going to be there for a long time. It's, we got him, he's locked up for for a while. You don't have to worry about, is he going to go back to WWE? Eventually, I think Moxley will go back to WWE, but my guess is the schedule they gave him, the flexibility they're going to give him to kind of do some of the stuff he wants. I think part of what happened this weekend in that poorly thought out, poorly executed Nick Gage situation was they don't want him doing GCW shows anymore because they don't want him to go get hurt wrestling in front of 40 New Jerseyans. Um, (laughs) But if, if he wants to go have a big match in New Japan or something, They'll work with him to give him some of what he wants, but bubble wrap him enough that he doesn't get hurt. I, I, I don't know, man. I just think that, like, you shouldn't put the title on somebody who's, I mean, the, who's about to lose Nick Gage. Just like, I, I don't think you should have put the title on Christian. I think it hurts your, hurts the momentum big time. But um, we'll see, you know, I mean, he's obviously been good for the company. And, you know, that's not at all what I'm just saying. It's just five years seems like a long time, man. And, you know, uh, if you want to build new guys, I, who knows, man. But 
we 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 do have to we did have a new episode of dynamite on wednesday which was so proof that there might not be a dynamite in five years uh, we'll see uh i don't know about that but well no no we do because I, I just want to bring i want to bring this up josh alexander friend of the show love josh i just want to bring this up because this was on our little thread and i know mike and scott were unable to to join this week scott's plane got delayed mike stuck working yeah have but, fun in Springfest, scotty oh he's at Skankfest. very nice um but my, my, my point that we were kind of texting about was Dynamite overall has been lackluster the last few weeks. And Mike feels it's sort of in a holding pattern because the elite guys aren't there. Punk's not there. Everything just kind of feels like placeholder. And you were like, well, WWE sucked for a long time. And then, you know, that's OK, except WWE for people. It's been a habit of watching Raw for like, you know, the better part of 30 years. AEW Dynamite is not necessarily a habit with the exception of a hardcore, say, 850,000 people who are going to tune in week in or week out regardless. I always half base of which it on have professional wrestling podcasts, half of which we have professional wrestling podcasts and neckbeards. But uh, mm-hmm. I gauge it by some of my more peripheral wrestling fr- uh, friends who if they text me about Dynamite, I'm like, oh, something good's happening. If not, it's it's kind of crickets. The show was solid, but unspectacular. And eventually people are just going to see it less as appointment TV and more of just, it's a wrestling show. It's like, I keep hearing that impact is putting on a good show week in and week out. It's not enough for me to go and seek it out and try to download it or find it on Twitch or wherever it exists. But dynamite felt like if you miss an episode, you're missing a lot. Now it kind of feels like it's a fine two hours of TV, but raw was infinitely better and a lot yeah, more fun to talk to about say, like i talked uh, you know like i listened to Meltzer today and i was like it's like well dynamite was a better show than raw and i'm like no dynamite oh, had fuck better- him wait 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 let me finish dynamite had better wrestling than raw it had better wrestling it was not a better show than monday night raw monday night raw was a very good show uh you know and they had some really good matches too but it was all story based uh, you know, it was just puzzling to me. To I think that. it's it's weird and, and plug for something in sports entertainment with tier, but uh, where Dan and I broke down Extreme Rules and then I broke down uh, Raw. Raw I'm this in your house too this week. Night of the Lumberjacks. God, that's depressing. But uh, <laughs> Raw Raw this week was a a masterclass. I mean, it's rare that Raw is genuinely from top to bottom that good of a show. But if this is what Hunter's putting together and envisions for the show going forward, like, guys, WWE is going to be really good for a long time. Every segment on the show worked. The weakest segment on this entire on, on all of Raw was the DX reunion at the end, which, it, but you know what? It was there for a nostalgia pop. It was less than 10 minutes. It sold a bunch of merchandise and it yeah. kept people staying tuned I, against Monday Night Football. Like, if that's the worst that it was, was it was like, all right, Xbox there and Road Dog is is not talking about AEW. Like, fine. I get, I get you got to sell merch, but storyline, it would have been so much better to have Bloodline or the Fiend killer. No, I didn't want him touching anybody. I, I just keep him in their own little island, use him as a nostalgia thing where they show up. But Raw had the return of the Good Brothers, friend of the show, Luke Gallows, had Brock Lesnar on. The matches and the storylines all advanced angles to move forward the audience the audience enjoyed it it was just it was a it felt like what it used to feel like watching wwe you're like fuck this is really good and then i sat down and watched dynamite 
And it was like, it felt a little bit like a chore. And whether we like it or we hated it in the past, we had strong opinions, but it was like, I was looking forward to watching Dynamite. This week felt like, all right, I'm watching a SmackDown from 10 years ago. Um, well, let's get into it. Let's get into the brass tacks, folks. Hour one, Renee, pa- is it Paquette or Paquette? Paquette. Renee Paquette. Is back. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was great that they got her right into an interview with Christian, who's hilarious as the uh, outrageous generic heel that he is. Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus, a firm segment, which all I wrote was yikes next to it. Uh, I believe that was with with MJF, or is that later on? With I think it was with MJF. That's later on. Oh, it's later on. Okay, but it was it was uh, it was a yikes segment. Um, highlight of the show for me: QT promo where look i'm never going to shit on qt again because it is just infinite joy when he's on screen and again the promo he cuts is just about how stupid ward joe's name is which was like he does the opposite of a punk like punk does a a shoot promo he does a worked work promo uh brian cage came out and the embarrassy oh sorry embassy john spear returns billy gunn versus swerve a Mark Sterling promo where he came out and said he trademarked scissoring, which I thought was really, uh, actually really fun, even though he's not fun. And then MJF had a segment with the firm, which I don't know what the, I don't know whether or not this was MJF just trying to just, dis- obviously he's going to like be a super heel, but I didn't know whether I, it felt like he's just trying to distance himself from the firm, which uh, is, is probably a good thing. What did you think about this first hour, Robert? Okay, so we're counting the Moxley promo as hour two. That's fine. Uh, yeah, Christian turned into like a Jermaine Clement character, which I kind of like. Um, yeah. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy was, it was physical. It felt weird to give this match away for free. Uh, it felt with, too. Yeah. yeah, with so little build. Luchasaurus, bless his heart, that table spot, he jumped to land through that table and it didn't look good. And then they replayed it like eight times which only made it look worse every single time. Uh, I like that they're now calling him Jungle Boy Jack Perry to try to make him a human oh, he being. Can't, he can't go by Jungle Boy forever. No, he, he, and he certainly he, ate a jungle. You know, again, this episode was like, it was what Jungle Boy does great and also what Jungle Boy doesn't do, which is great moves, incredible at selling. I think he sells better than anybody in wrestling. And, uh, you know, that was it. Uh, <laughs> you know, also, like... Sparkly. I'm all for wrestlers watching old footage and learning. What I'm not for is Luchasaurus basically just being Kane. He's got the music, the choke slam. He did the sit up. Choke slam. No, but he no. It was it was the it's the sit up. He basically just wrestles like like Kane. Like it's just it's they're not even hiding it at this point. And well, I mean, I like Chad Gable and there's a lot of parallels with Kurt, you know, that's the, so that's, that's different. He still feels like a different guy. We don't know the Luchasaurus character. All we're seeing is just, he's doing Kane. And if you're going to rip somebody off, great wrestler, bad politician to rip off, but feels a little odd there. The yikes segment you were talking about Stokely Hathaway. Up Rampage. That was it. Yeah. Stokely Hathaway, Ethan page, uh, the Andrade's assistant, Matt Hardy and Private Party are all in a segment specifically designed to try to kill me, uh, where <laughs> if Private Party loses so, to Ethan Page... I blacked it out. I thought it was MJF, uh, but that's later on. I blacked it. I literally, my memory said, 
you will not remember this. Oh, no, this is seared into my mind. Uh, because basically, if Ethan Page beats one of the members of Private Party, then they get to keep the contract for Private Party and get the contract for Matt Hardy. And if this storyline appeals to you in any way, shape, or form, stop listening to our show and reevaluate your life. Uh, <laughs> QT Marshall was fantastic in his promo. Uh, War Joe sucks and makes no sense because... I mean, the guys individually are fun. Well, the guys individually are fun. I'm not a huge Wardlow fan, but... But it's like Wardlow as the TNT champion is designed so he can have a one-on-one match where he just squashes Nick Camarado and then squashes Aaron Solo and then squashes QT Marshall. I don't need to see them in a tag. I don't need mm-hmm. to see two champions thrown together in a stupid tag match. And as if things couldn't get worse, then it's Brian Cage in the embassy. And then Brian Cage is... He really skipped over a real wonderful moment here, which was uh, QT Marshall selling like Popeye. It is hilarious to watch Jungle Boy sell and then QT sell. QT sells like the end of every raw Christmas episode. Like it is, his (laughs) eyes are big. He's flailing around. His hair is now filled in a little bit where he doesn't look like The Rock, but just like a villain on the Jetsons um it's uh it's 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 phenomenal and nick camarado's new look i mean he just looks like the stag you hire for an orgy you know what i mean it's like a big gold chain and fucking chest hair and he just the guy just looks like he fucks uh what did you think think of that oh i think he fucks yes i definitely think nick camarado fucks uh brian cage saying like What's the deal with FTR? I don't even think they're there. And then FTR immediately showed up. Like, that's the worst wrestling moment possibly of the year in terms of just production and blocking. It was embarrassing how stupid that was. And then FTR brings out Sean Spears, who was a heel the last time we saw him. But now we're in Canada, and he's back. And now he's back being the 10 guy, which was his WWE gimmick. And yeah, it maybe, was maybe don't accuse people of uh, tampering with contracts if you're literally just lifting the gimmick from NXT. And and I don't know anyone who was super excited to see Sean Spears back as the ten guy, as the lackey. He was fine. Uh, taking him seriously was never going to happen. But ten's it, pissed, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, if you want to see the Embassy versus FTR and uh, Sean Spears, boy, do we have the show for you? Because chances are you're going to be home on a Friday night if that show appeals to you. <laughs> Uh, I, I fuck you all. I don't care. I'm just bitter and angry. Uh, Swerve and Billy Gunn had a very good match. This was this was way, well laid out. Uh, the acclaim were over. The Mark Sterling stuff after. Okay. Look here. Can I say this first? In in the hands of someone else, like if this was Jim Cornette, this was a very creative angle. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's with Mark Sterling. Robert, what are your thoughts? They legit filed the trademark. A uh, friend of mine looked it up. Uh, this was uh, Michael Dawkins filed the trademark, uh, who is the, the gimmick attorney for uh, ad-free shows. Uh, nice guy, by the way. really like Michael Dawkins. He, he files all the trademarks for a lot of the wrestlers. They legit filed it for Mark Sterling. Number one, if you even have the most basic understanding of intellectual property law, you have no ability to file an IP claim on something that you did not yourself create or have a claim to. So the acclaimed, if they had access to any kind of attorney whatsoever, or even a remotely Jewish friend, they would be able to appeal this by anybody. That fan base can afford a fucking lawyer. Give me a break. I would imagine Billy Gunn knows a couple lawyers based on his behavior (laughs) in the past, but like, 
it's such a stupid thing. It's a way to like, how do we take away what people like? It's like, oh, we're going to say like they're prohibited from doing it. And now we're going to get like a, a, a trademark on a pole match. Like this well, is what like was really stupid is that they like, if, could you imagine Steve Austin? Like if Vince McMahon came out and was like, I trademarked hell. Yeah. You can't say hell. Yeah. Anymore. Uh, oh, hell yeah. I can. It would be, that would be the first thing he said. And instead the acclaim just sat there like sad puppy dogs in the middle of the ring. It was, it's, I get what Tony was trying to do, which is you want to get heat. You have a heel take away what people like. This was pretty fucking dumb. Uh, and legally makes no sense, but you know, we'll, uh, I'll do a whole Patreon on just IP law and wrestling. Uh, yeah. M- MJF, uh, with that, with Stokely, I hated the segment last week with Yuta. I hated it 10 times more here. You don't need to muddy up the MJF story. The MJF story is I have this chip. I'm going to cash in on the winner of Moxley and Hangman. And I'm going to be world champion. It's not, I need to worry about the firm. Uh, get him as far away from these guys as possible. Uh, and if Stokely really was a friend, he would have talked to MJF about that Kanye text tweet. You you didn't you didn't like that or no? Kanye tweet? Yeah. Loved it. But uh, people got mad at him. And I get the underlying point of what he was trying to do. It's a whole it's a whole thing. Um I know that he shoot obviously has issues with anti-Semitism as anyone should. And I think the anger was there's a dude who's not even engaging in microaggressions or hiding it. It's just outwardly saying like, all right, I hate Jewish people. And people were just kind of like, Oh, Kanye. I mean, here's the thing is like everyone who's doing an interview with this guy right now is exploiting a mentally ill person. That's been going on for years. But this is, yeah, I know. That's what I mean. And it just keeps getting worse. It's like Antonio Brown, you know, it's the different, it's different between like some guy in Buffalo who shoots up a, a grocery store um, because, it, you know, he's a, a white supremacist is Kanye saying horribly anti-Semitic racist shit. This is like, dude, it's like, we're seeing this guy unravel. Like, why are you fucking? And now it's like all now it's like, okay, the left got done with like kind of exploiting him for being like, Oh, a weirdo. And now the right is using him to get their numbers up. And you guys are just, it's just a fucking circus elephant, man. You guys are just tasering a circus elephant. It, it is. And then the people who wind up speaking out about it somehow speak inelegantly uh, to someone. And then they in turn get attacked for it. It becomes untenable and you can't have a a, a decent conversation uh, about these issues and i think you know max's point versus the way i don't even think pete davidson's jewish that is fair um but then again you know he works with mike and i'm not entirely sure mike's jewish like they 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 have a subset uh, they have a subset of guys who are jewish but somehow were poor and i don't know how that exists (laughs) <laughs> well my, mike is uh i mean he's got the self-hating part down pat all right let's go to um bu- 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 hour bu- two of hour dynamite two, baby jericho versus danielson for these first the ring well, of Mox- honor moxley promo first oh there was also a Mo- why there was a moxley i'm yeah, sorry there's a moxley hangman promo up top jericho versus danielson a horrendous anna jay and nyla rose segment and Orange Cassidy winning the All Atlantic title from Pac. 
take that second hour. So Moxley kind of came out there to it, part of going back to the conversation before is he goes out there and says a lot without saying anything. It's like a filibuster more than anything else. It's, you know, I'm the champ and I'm the best and other guys can't hang and you want to, you know, take a shot at me. I'm going to beat you. Like, okay, we, we said it a lot. Uh, Paige came out and he was getting angry and he, he's, he's not good at like firing up angry. He still sounds petulant and he started punching himself in the head, but definitely punched himself was, too hard. He punched himself too hard in the head and then keeps touching the wound. Like it was kind of funny that he worked himself into a shoot with that. Uh, but they're trying to get fired up, but Max sitting up in the, in the box watching this, all the crowd wanted to do was watch Max. They wanted to see what MJF was doing and chant for MJF. And he kind of scooped their heat. Uh, Danielson and Garcia had a, they're sorry, Danielson and Jericho had a, uh, a fine match. I don't need the ring of honor guy on commentary ever. Ian, Rick, whatever, Rick and Morty. Um, sure. Uh, Ian, Rick and Morty, uh, doesn't add much. I like that they used, I I like that they used footage from ring of honor to tell the video package story. The match was good. They did the Daniel Garcia heel turn that we've been predicting for months now that, uh, I would not have done that tag match last week if this is where you were really going with it, just because I think they did too much physicality for the sake of the swerve here. Yeah, I agree. The Nile, so Nyla Rose uh, is pretending to be the TBS champion. And that's ridiculous to have Nyla Rose out there claiming, just inventing, just saying, I'm now the TBS champion. You have to call me the TBS champion. Uh, that's that's going to upset a lot of people. And I know they're not going to accept it. I'm willing to accept Nyla Rose as a TBS champion because she says she's the TBS champion. And who are you to say otherwise? Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker uh, versus Tony Storm and Sheeta was fine. It was on at 930. It was clear this was an afterthought, but a fine afterthought. Uh, and now I guess we're getting Tony Storm and Sheeta because Sheeta was the highest selling merchandise uh, getter for women, which is mine either either that's mind blowing or they don't have enough merchandise for the rest of their women. Uh and then yeah, that's, that's very surprising. Pac and Orange Cassidy, if this would have been built up, would have been awesome. Uh these are guys we've been saying they need to get behind and these are somewhat homegrown AEW talent. I get Pac was in WWE as Neville, but like the this bastard character and Orange Cassidy, like these are homegrown guys. It was a homegrown story. But they've been so hit and miss with how they present them that it's kind of hard to care. It feels like the only reason they're getting this time and this exposure now is because everybody else is gone. And it's like, all right, well, who do we have left? Uh, kind of like you and I being the only two hosting the show this week. So yeah. it, it, the crowd liked it. They popped. But it was kind of like, did it really matter? Eh. I mean... Uh, if you're Anna J, you know, like, wh- wh- what do they do there? <laughs> you know, I mean, I get it. She's dating fucking Jungle Boy, but it's getting rough, man. It's getting real rough. Like, to the point of where I'm like, it, it's actually hurting my feelings. <laughs> like, how bad it is. Can we give her Julia Hart's mute gimmick? I think turning yeah. Julia Hart into a mute an woman patch. with an eye patch. Yeah. That works. Uh, I mean, it's better than Ty Conti, I guess. No, it's not. It's for sure not. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Well, that's our dynamiter dud. Seems like a. What did pretty... you think of hour two? You did. Oh, did you go through? Oh that? well, I, you know, I, I was I was glad to see Orange Cassidy get the title. I thought it should have happened sooner rather than later. I don't know why they had him against Wardlow. That was so weird to me. Um, yeah, they didn't build it well. I can see you could see you could see on paper they built it. You know, you had Orange lose the match in New York, then you had Trent lose to Puck. Um, on paper they built it, but the problem is, is it's like, I don't know, man, it's just, you need to tell more story and not just matches to tell the story. Um, but you know, it was nice to see him win and it'll be interesting to see what that Tuesday number is next week. That's for sure. We have a new segment called shoot yourself into a work. Uh, Jake Roberts claims, uh, Vonna Trump hired security to beat him up and then i guess donald paid them more not to i don't know um what is any of this true no this is jake on the bullshit meter what percentage of this is bullshit i mean uh ivana trump was at that wrestlemania and jake roberts did see her and Jake Roberts has done a lot of hallucinogenic drugs that would convince him that this was real, but no chance whatsoever. Uh, this is a guy who's trying to perpetuate his legacy. With, he thought with of some security, of these... but it was actually just his kids asking where he was. <laughs> it wasn't. It was the burlap sack he kept the snake in, and he was convinced <laughs> that that was a manifestation of security guards. Like Jake's had a very rough uh, go of it, and this is on a Von Erich episode. Uh, but this is one of those things where he would wish it was true and it would further it. It's kind of like his whole thing about, you know, I was a heel and the crowd cheered me so much with Hogan that they didn't give me a program with him. You take a lot of what, what Jake says with a, with a grain of Coke, but uh, <laughs> this one in particular feels like, it, first of all, it, it's weird that he would think this had happened. Second of all, that somehow he has enough detective skills that he would have found out about this. <laughs> like he has his ear to the ground. He's like, oh, my people are telling me Ivana well, hired he, def- he definitely had his ear to the ground. That's for sure. Ear, <laughs> nose, ear belly. Ground, his face. Yeah, he was just, he was just, he's just a ground type of guy. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, do you think he's the biggest liar in professional wrestling? Who do you think top five liars? Mount Rushmore of lying, or that's four, but Mount Rushmore of liars in in wrestling. Bro, there's a guy who's got to be at the top of the list. Who you think was, he's top of the list? I think he's pretty high up there. Um, in a lot of the shit that he he comes up with and says, I I, I think it's got to be. I think Russo's got to be. He's got to be up there. I mean, it's, it depends on what you mean by lying. Uh, Heyman, it's got to be Rogue. It's got to be Hogan. It's got to be Heyman. It's Heyman's be- a great, yeah, but Heyman's a great liar. And it's, it's like, I think a lot of what like he says about people is honest. I just think in terms of the whole, no, I'm going to pay you. In that case, he's, he's a liar. He's a liar. He's a, he's a crook. <laughs> yes. Uh, there were some guy like, like Butch Reed always was convinced he was going to be like the biggest star. Like, oh, no, Vince promised me this. And some of these guys are, are kind of full of shit, but now I'd say Russo is, is pretty high up there in terms of uh, straining credibility. Um, I would never, ever, ever say that, uh, you know, Bruce Pritchard is anything but a hundred percent honest and trustworthy. Uh, and I, and I, and uh, he's a, he's a good man, but uh, Bruce Pritchard probably on the Mount Rushmore of biggest liars. <laughs> sure wrestling. So we got we got Heyman, 
Pritchard, Hogan, and Jake. Yeah, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good collection. Uh, pretty good Mount Rushmore liars, I think so. Rushmore, Rush, Rush, Rush. A little bit Rush less for my, for my. Uh, ugh. That was the. I knew you were setting this up somewhere. I'm like, I don't even know where you're going with <laughs> it. I don't know what happened there. I was more like Rush less. What does that even mean? It's the headline know, for Rush Limbaugh's funeral. I'm trying. I'm trying to get a cuttable uh, clip for this podcast, and the only yep. thing I want to cut is my wrist. It's the All closest right. you've ever been to Tony Khan. Let's move to high spot, low spot. Robert, what do you got? High spot, low spot this Dude, week. Dude, the return of Bray Wyatt at Extreme Rules was fantastic. Uh, the execution, the buildup with the crowd, the cutting to the wacky characters around the ring, uh, the, the lighting, the mood, the audience pop. That was pure sports entertainment and it was fantastic uh that was by far my uh my high spot of the week soon we're gonna have to start covering raw instead of dynamite if this keeps up don't steal my gimmick no you don't get to you don't get to you know (laughs) wander in after i've been when the the currents when the currents steady um my high spot this week and we'll get to your list but as a return as well i think renee is going to add a lot to AEW if anything she's going to keep everybody on course and give them bullet points and actually move these storylines forward so I was very happy to see that what was your low spot this week Robert um my low spot actually came from a week ago uh but it was right after we had stopped recording uh this happened was uh Sarah Lee passing away uh far too young really just a, a, a tragic story uh one of the one of the ugly parts of of just this business in general was kids too huh yes she had kids uh it's uh, it was married to uh wesley blake it's just it's it's tragic it's it's always sad it's it's one of the things like i, I see it on my timeline i can't even look at it or fathom what that is but uh when but we found out that she had passed after we had recorded last week's show we didn't want to let that go unmentioned so i i would definitely say that was a a, a low spot and i think that's almost making it a little lighter than it really should be. Everybody from the Russell Rose community sending uh, her family lots of lots of love and prayers. I'm going to go for a low spot for me. I mean, obviously the booking decision. Uh, well, first off, anything after that is going to say. I, I, I kind of sandbagged it a little bit there with it's like, yeah, all right, yeah, mine yeah. is the tragic passing of someone for their time. Dan's yeah. going to be like, can yeah. you believe that they did this on New Japan? Yeah. I would have been Scott. Yes. It's like mine's 9-11, yours is they're not pushing riddle, you know. It's like doesn't make any sense. All right. But my low spot this week, it would definitely be be that that you jobbed again your world champion before you could crown a new guy. Another uh, I think just uh, I don't know why I don't know why you wouldn't keep the title on Danielson if this was your ultimate plan. Um, and then bring Moxley in later on as a contender for MJF. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It, it was there any uh, Am I not? Am I missing something here, Robert, from this booking decision at GCW? Um, Moxley was probably told he can't wrestle there anymore, and wanted to help out his friends. And yeah, so then then don't put the title on Moxley. Let him job to fucking gauge. I, I bit yeah, but it's I again I didn't watch the footage, but it sounds like this happened because the firm interfered. 
Yeah, but that doesn't really help your. Oh, it doesn't your, help anything. Nick Gay, yeah, it's it's stupid, but say, it's, um, I, I just heard about this from the Observer, but I guess it was all. Bad in and of itself is the low spot. Uh, Ariel Hawani has said that Tony Khan is the most difficult interview, frustrating interview he's ever had. Now there is a grain of salt with this. So Ariel just did the voiceover for the Snake Pit fight at Extreme Rules, but I do think there is something to say. Um, when you have when when you are as available as Tony Khan is for press, and you keep shooting yourself in the foot during press, eventually the press is going to turn on you, man. And like they they have a job too. Their job is to sell newspapers. Their job is not to put your wrestling over. Their job is to sell newspapers and to push their websites and to push the advertising on their websites. That's it. So if you don't give them something which everybody wants to know. Like I, I now know more about this situation just from texting a couple friends, this media scrum situation, than Tony has let people know, which it's just like, this was the biggest thing to happen in, in your company this year. It completely halted your momentum. You know, it's got really your homegrown stars and your biggest star. And, you know, it's just radio static. Don't put them out there. Yeah. Or do what professional media organizations do. And when you have a guy going on, say, here are a list of things you're not allowed to talk about and well, don't I make him look they, stupid. They maybe did that. That's the only thing where I no, imagine he did that. And I think Ar- I think and Ariel's point was look, I get I'm gonna Ariel's let Ariel's trying to get himself over. Oh, of course he is, but he's gonna he's also going out there and saying, Look, I let you go out here and promote your your show, and and that's fine. And I gave you softballs, but I wasn't going to ask you anything legally you can't say. It was, you know, well, how are you feeling about the situation? Not tell me about the situation, or do you feel we'll ever see these guys? I, I get that there's a gray line, but Tony needs to be media savvy enough to handle those. Hunter, after Vince got fired, or sorry, retired, uh, went out there and did interviews and had elegant answers. In terms of how to address and pivot, Tony's obfuscation is, skills. We don't suck. know enough. Well, you know, Hunter was, you know, it was, it was, with with Vince's situation, it's, it's you know, it's a criminal investigation, and and it is a what. I know the media scrum has gotten way more attention from our community, the wrestling community, but the Vince story is the biggest wrestling story since at least the WWE Network. You know, it's 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 incredible. Um, and Hunter was very smart, and he said, I don't know, there's an investigation going on. And and also, to Hunter's credit, you know, him and Stephanie's name didn't come up in these documents. I'm sure that he would have a lot more of, like, you know, if there was, if they knew about it or there was involvement, doesn't seem like that was the case. Uh, so, uh, you know, like, it, in some ways, he does have an easier out than Tony was, because Tony is presiding over the chaos while Triple H is just coming in, you know, it's kind of like the guy who came in to, you know, to, to coach Joe for the Penn State, Joe Paterno's job, you know, like, you, it's like, I, I can't concentrate on that. I just want to win football games. And that's what Triple H is doing. Right. But Tony could have very easily been a human about it to a degree and say, look, I can't comment on the specifics of what happened. There's an investigation. There's all that. All I know is I have four crucial pieces off of my chessboard that I can't use. And as a as a cre- no because as a creative type that's sad as a fan of wrestling that's sad however this has created opportunities for a lot of people to step up and here are some of the people who have stepped up into that and now we're able to spotlight 
guys like Orange Cassidy and Wheeler Yuta and, you know, whoever. And that's your pivot around it. You can be like, look, I'm disappointed that whatever happened, happened. And we have to deal with the fallout. We will thoroughly investigate it and, and remediate as, as necessary. But we're looking forward. So is he not even saying that? He's just not saying I won't talk about it? He's just kind of like, I can't talk about it. Like, it's just, I, I get it. Like Ariel Hawani, he's digging. He's but he, Urkel. He, well, I mean, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, to be fair. But uh, the that was a weird letter Kenny reference, by the way. That I, I so I went up watching that because pilot, which I loved, and I and I love one of the guys on it. But uh, well, I got to get into that show. That's why I went up watching because we were supposed to have Kay Trevor on, and then yeah. scheduling happened. So I Just watched finished the fir- Lake, finished uh, Breeders, which is very good. I'm so far behind. I literally just watched because I had the time. I watched Party Down for the first time ever. Oh my god! It's and awesome, it's such dude. a weird thing where I'm like, I kept hearing about it for years and years and years, and I finally got it's stars. So good. Is it good to watch it again? Holy sh! I'd never watched yeah. it. It's a the entire series. Perfect it's two show. seasons. Every episode's a home run. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's it's, so, it's so astonishing how good that show was. When I knew it was good, and I kept hearing like, all right, everyone says all these things are good, and you watch it like it's fine. That was just spectacular. And now that they're bringing back a new season, it's like, great. Uh, I picked the right time to to board that train. Uh, But uh, it's a good time for plugs as we're just plugging Party Down, who really needs the press. Yeah, right. Well, I'm still doing comedy. That sounds so sad. Uh, (laughs) You can't tell from this episode, but Dan still does comedy. Uh, I'm going to be, well, this comes out on Friday, right? So... Tonight I am at the uh, at the two a.m. show at the Fat Black Pussycat, the Comedy Cellar. I'm also going to be in Brooklyn Comedy Club tonight and tomorrow night. Um, next week I'm going to be doing uh, this new club in Greenpoint, which I don't have its name. Fat Black <laughs> again, Brooklyn Comedy Club. I'm going to be on tour again in November. I'm opening for Dan Soder at Zany's in Nashville, Detroit. But I'm going to be headlining myself November 3rd in Houston, November 4th in Lafayette, November 5th in Mandeville. You could get my tickets on my website. Uh, one of the, you know, JP Leonard is producing the Lafayette show. Love that guy. Uh, love the other guys who are, who are producing the stuff. So, yeah, man, there's just a lot of really fun stuff. It's going to be at the Riot in Houston, Club 337 in Lafayette, and the Hideaway in Mandeville, Louisiana. So, uh, yeah, just click on the link and find yourself some tickets, folks. It's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, st- I'm, yeah. I'm going to be in New York next month. Hopefully you're doing a show. Oh, then. my I God. Can, Seriously. Yes. Yeah. I'd love oh. to watch and boo you. When are you in New York again? Uh, I, uh, the 17th through the 20th, but I'm up there for, for a wedding. So, uh, yeah, I'll be able to eat. I mean, I'm mean, going to be able to get maybe dinner on the 17th, but other than that, I'm going to be in, I'm going to be in Detroit. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, well, it, um, you got to go where they want you. I'm well, Detroit's, uh, a lovely stop sounding like the end of a Western. Yeah. All right. Yes, there's that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. On the Facebook group, I mentioned this on something to sports entertainment with. I'm going to mention this again here. Dan and, and Scott and Mike and I have been talking uh, about, you know, the, the show and, and additional things that we want to do. And, and one of the uh, 
the things that I, I want to put out there for you to write about on the Facebook group is in the past, we have had uh, guests who've come on, whether it was folks from the, the comedy world, uh, like Jacqueline Moore, Zach Miko, or we've had folks in the wrestling world, PCO, Swerve, uh, Luke Gallows. If you want us to, to integrate that maybe once a month, once every other month, bring in uh, someone from the wrestling world, bring in someone from the comedy world to, to come join this uh, madcap troop of schmucks that we've got going on here. Uh, let us know. You know, this is the, the, this show is very much your show, you even though Madcap Moss's girlfriend says you're making me madcap moist right now. I hope so. Um I, 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 this is going to sound awful as a, as a family man. I don't want that guy to have a girlfriend. Like I want, he seems like a guy like in every town he would do well. And I don't want that oh, to yeah. get like, no, he's got, a, he's got a girlfriend, I believe. That's a shame. I mean, you're, you're, yeah. you'd you're think, sound like me. You'd think you working on wrestlers. Well, for, for him, it's like he's not getting used great on SmackDown. He may as well getting used great elsewhere. <clears throat> but uh, yes. If you, if you had to, okay, this is my cut question of the week. If you had to pick a wrestler to make love with your wife in front of you, who would it be? Uh, Carrie Von Eric currently. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie Von Eric, maybe he's maybe Sunny Kiss. So, like, he would just not be into it the whole time. He's just like, he would just be going, "Ew, what gross, a, gross." What a what a delightful question and the uh, the show in our family friendly edition here of the Halloween uh, Von Eric month. Uh, if you, you know, if Braun did it, there would be a train noise. You know what I mean? Obviously, the, my real answer is Roman Reigns, but and my wife would probably second that. But uh, all right, she just said yes. So, well, probably yes. But uh, but given how infrequent he's allowed to be used, uh, you you got to be okay with four times a year. <laughs> and once in one of those times has to be in Saudi Arabia. Used. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, uh, so all right. Yeah, those are my uh, plugs. Uh, all right, so this episode of uh, the Von Erich Roast is about as cursed as the Von Erichs themselves uh, in, in recording. And I mentioned at one point we we got knocked off the air. Uh, it actually happened to us twice. It happened while we were trying to do the, uh, the plugs at the end. Uh, Zach was nice enough to let us know, hey, we got most of the plugs in. The, uh, the tail end of the show just stopped recording. So I'm, I'm just jumping on here now for the for the clean outro because obviously we care about presenting the most professional podcast possible uh, on a show where we openly mock uh, death and tragedy uh, and uh, occasionally Tony Khan. But uh, hey, on behalf of Dan, Mike, Scott, Zach, and all of us here at Wrestle Roasts, Best of luck in your future endeavors. And most importantly, wash your goddamn hands. Thank you all. See you next week.